always depended on the kindness of strangers. All right, so he's not a regular rat or, or even a super rat. He's a scared little mouse, that's all. Ha, I had two years to grow claws, Mother. Jungle Ray! Hello, and welcome to The Real Woman, a podcast about all things cinematic. I'm your host, Emmanuel Perryman. I'd like to welcome my next guest, Tanisha Brugnoni. Tanisha? Hi, Emmy. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Uh, and so in the spirit of full disclosure, I'd just like to say we met about a year ago uh, at the Wolf Tree Film Festival in Marshall, Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, you had submitted a film called With Love from Idlewild. Yes, that's correct. And which had been, ended up being uh, accepted into the film festival, and we got to meet. So tell me a little bit about just your backstory. How did you become a filmmaker? Okay, well, um, I don't really remember, or I can't seem to pinpoint the exact day that I decided that I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I know it was at least back in 2010, I've always been a storyteller. You know, I used to throw uh, poetry events, um, write short stories, um, just do a little bit of everything creative. And at some point during my lifetime, I started um, venturing towards film, and I actually ended up enrolling in Wayne State University Media Arts and Studies program, um, where I obtained my bachelor's in communication, which is a media arts and studies degree. From there, you know, I've just been doing different things, um, short films. I've worked on some larger projects for PBS. Um, I've worked on, on some, also some large projects like um, Transformers and Real Steel when they came to Michigan, just a little small positions. Um, but I've been dabbling or working in, I shouldn't say dabbling, I've been working in the film industry since 2010. And I've been working consistently um, full-time as a filmmaker since 2017. And uh, how did you come to make the film with Love from Idlewild? How did that, how did that uh, come to be? Okay, so um, the reason that I made with Love from Idlewild was a very spontaneous film. And thank you, you know, in your program for allowing me to showcase that film there. That was actually the first film festival that I was invited into, and it just really blew my mind. It was a wonderful film festival. And, um, we were so happy to have you a part of it. I was very excited to be there. I had never um, been to Marshall, Michigan, didn't even know it existed. And I actually um, took a train there, and it was a wonderful experience. That was my first time being on a train since I was a child, so it was an actual adventure for me. And you guys had a really nice turnout. The um, theater was beautiful. I was really not expecting it to be the way it was, because I'm like, um, why would anybody, you know, really? Not that I didn't think the film was good, um, but honestly, I was just shocked at the way that it was received. And, and since that film festival has been accepted into um, four other film festivals, including the Free Press Film Festival, which is a, another really large festival in the Michigan area, it's in Detroit. So yes, it was a journey from there, but um, the film With Love from Idlewild, was recorded very spontaneously. I was actually on vacation in um, Idaho, Michigan. I went there for a music festival, and I ended up just wandering around the town. 
I didn't even know that Idlewild was a real place prior to me visiting it in 2018. And so upon my discovery um, and just learning about the history, I became very intrigued with Idlewild, and that's what um, sparked me to start the Idlewild International Film Festival. And and so before we go on too too much further, let's let's give people an idea of what Idlewild is and why is why is it so important? Okay, well Idlewild is a historic African American resort town that's um, located in northern Michigan. It's close to um, what is that? Uh, oh God, I can't think. Um, it's close to Big Rapids and Traverse City, so it's up in that vicinity of Michigan. Um, it was one of the very few places at one time that African Americans were allowed to go, you know, just to relax and, and enjoy a vacation where they could escape segregation. And so it was really a really vibrant community, all um, black-owned businesses. Um, there was horseback riding, beautiful beaches, fishing, you know, you named it. it and and this started, like, in the 20s or even earlier? I, I believe it was 19. 19- 14 or 12, I always get that confused, so don't quote me, but yeah, it was a little <laughs> earlier than the 20s, yeah. and um, yeah, and so a lot of our historic figures, such as Madam C.J. Walker, own property there, um, a lot of different people, I can't really think of their names right now, um, I believe that Aretha Franklin used to travel there to perform um, later, like in the 60s or 70s, I believe. And I feel um, like Duke Ellington was there as well, like a lot of jazz musicians yeah. went there. Yes, Cab Calloway for sure. I remember him being there. Yeah, it was all all of the greats from that era performed there. Billie Holiday, you know, it was the premier spot for anybody who was anybody, I guess. Um, so yeah, so after segregation ended, um, Idlewild kind of died out because um, entertainers were free to travel everywhere to perform, and black people were free to travel everywhere and basically be discriminated against, in my opinion. But you know, yeah, that's basically yeah. what happened. Yeah. So they kind of thought that they were looking for something better. They wanted to see what the other half was living like, and so of course, naturally, we you know ventured to other places to you know, have vacations and things like that, and kind of abandoned Idlewild. But as the years, or I should say decades, went on, um, people have been trying to bring it back to its grander state, and it's been a struggle. You know, it's 50% rural there. There's a lot of blight there, um, but the energy is still there. Like, the energy of the people and the energy of our ancestors is still there. You can feel it when you visit Idlewild. It's absolutely magical. And so when I went there, I actually felt that energy of the love and the hard work that had been put into that land as they were cultivating it and preparing this safe space for black people. And so you met, you had the good fortune to meet uh, a gentleman up there who actually lives up there, correct? Yes. Um, when I was on vacation um, during, during the music festival, I mentioned earlier, I met a gentleman by the name of Charles Page. Um, Charles is a resident there. He's actually, I believe he's from, um, where is he from? He's from some part of Metro Detroit. I believe Inkster, Michigan is where he grew up at. And he moved to Idlewild maybe 10 years ago full-time, I believe, but he's been going there since he was a child. Um, So he um, relocated to Idlewild full-time in retirement. And so when I was there with my friends, we were, you know, just kind of wandering around Idlewild, he agreed to take us on a tour. And so we basically just jumped in this random guy's truck, and he took us to all these beautiful um, scenic places throughout Idlewild and just showed us, you know, the different things that were there. 
and kind of gave us a little history lesson as well. And that's what um, um, actually evolved, what that's where the movie evolved. So my spontaneous jump in his truck became a short film. And you filmed basically everywhere that he that he took you and, and all of the information that he was able to pass on to you. And if I recall at the time, he was uh, building something, a building a structure? Yeah. So at the time in 2018, um, when Charles and I um, were, you know, when Charles took us on his journey or the tour, I should say, it was a tour of Idlewild, he had just begun um, building a geodesic dome off of US-10. And so his dream is to have an artist residency in that space. So he was building this huge dome. And so in 2018, it was forestry and, you know, just not even clear land. Um, to date, he has actually had the trees chopped down and he's um, cleared the land. And so he's working towards it. As far as I know, it's not up yet, um, but he's still working on building that, that area. And uh, so when when you completed the film and started submitting it, um, did you have an idea then that you would want to start a film festival? Where did that idea come from? Okay, you know, it's, it's so very interesting because there are there are at least three people um, that I know who think they gave me the idea of a film festival. <laughs> and I just want to say, no, you did not. <laughs> but I love you anyway, but I just don't even tell them. I just think it's cute. Um, um, so, yeah, the idea of the film festival actually is something that I was bouncing around in my head since, I believe, early 2018. Um, I just noticed that there was a shortage of women film festivals and especially, you know, quality film festivals that I knew of, and definitely a, in Michigan. A shortage so, of film festivals that, that women had, had started, correct? Not, not only women started, but women featured films, but definitely women started, too. Um, but just the content, I didn't think that there was enough um, women-led film festivals or women content film festivals. Um, so I decided that I wanted to do, you know, a women's film festival in Michigan, which is my hometown, but I wasn't really sure how, I didn't know where, you know, it's just an idea, so I just started taking notes as to what I wanted it to consist of, and I realized that there wasn't a lot of web series um, included in film festivals. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to aim towards, and um, cooking shows. At that time, I was doing a cooking show. I said, wouldn't it be nice to go to a festival that had more than one cooking show? So <laughs> that was one of the, the concepts that, because I like food, you know. Who doesn't? <laughs> of, right. I said, I, that was one of the concepts that I wanted to um, explore within my own film festival. So um, fast forward to 2018, after going to Idaho and seeing how beautiful it was, you know, I just decided that this would be the perfect place for me to have a film festival. For one thing, there isn't a lot of exposure to the arts in the community, and I feel like in order to uh, just motivate and inspire young people, they need to be exposed to different things. And so the thought of bringing, you know, different media from all over the world in one setting to all these different people could possibly spark the next generation of filmmakers. And so when you have had the first festival, correct? Yes, our inaugural film festival premiered in August of 2019, exactly a year from my first time visiting Idlewild, which was insane. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and how did it go? How did you feel about it? Oh, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it was beautiful. We had the, 
Well, let me just backtrack a little bit just to give people some insight into what Idlewild is. So Idlewild does not have a movie theater. Um, it has um, a, not too many standing, like, large structures where you can have something like a screening. There are a few buildings, but there aren't a lot. Idlewild is really pretty small, I believe. The, I don't even know what the population is, but the population for Gates Township, which is including in, included in the county for Idlewild, is under 1,000 people. So that gives you an idea of how small this um, town is. I don't even know. I believe Idlewild itself is considered a village. Um, so the first challenge I had was trying to figure out exactly where I was going to have a film festival. And so um, originally we were going to have it at a, a park called Meeks Park, which is a historic park um, in Idlewild. But as I grew and as the festival started taking momentum, um, I decided that I needed more space and that it would be better if I just had it on Lindsay Park, which is the festival ground in Idlewild. It's a privately owned festival ground. And so that place, I believe it's like 40,000 square feet or something like that. It's really big. And so it's a um, beautiful, clear lens that's off of Paradise Lake, and it, it just was absolutely phenomenal. And so I ended up um, renting a movie screen for the outdoor screenings, and we placed it near the lake, and yeah. Oh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a beautiful setting to, to screen it movies. Was beautiful. It was absolutely, like, I, <laughs> I'm not bragging, but it was so gorgeous, and what was so magical about the weekend is that we actually had, like, two shooting stars just, just shoot across the sky while we were out there watching movies. And you could just hear the audience gasp. And, and all, oh, a lot wow. Of had, yeah, a lot of people had never even been to Idaho. They had people come from Saginaw, um, of course, Metro Detroit. They had a few people come from Canada that heard about the festival. And so um, just to be out there in, in, at night and just this beautiful Michigan sky where you can see like every star clearly. It was just wonderful. And um, the festival was a two and a half day event and we had day screenings inside of a community center during the day that started, I believe the community center opened at nine and it went to like seven o'clock. So you had movies playing all day long in one building. And then when evening came, you had your evening screenings. And also during the indoor screening, we had activities going on outside at the festival ground. So we had an African drummer. We had the Idlewild troupe dancers come and dance. We had a young lady teaching belly dancing. There was kayaking. There was paddleboarding. You can name it. We had it going on, and it was phenomenal. This sounds like a, like a really all-encompassing party almost. I mean, it's just <laughs> activities. It was, a it, was a, it was definitely a festival. It was a festival like no other festival because... Um, no one else has combined nature and cinema the way that I have with the Idlewild International Film Festival. I'm sure other people will try to duplicate it now, but <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is absolutely the very first um, outdoor film festival with nature and camping and camping. So that's what makes it unique. There is outdoor festivals, but I don't believe that they include camping in. And if I'm wrong, somebody tell me, but I researched and I couldn't find them. <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, how many films did you actually end up screening? Okay, um, so we ended up getting in 91 submissions, which was phenomenal for a first-year film festival. Yeah. So I was really happy about that. And we ended up screening, I believe, 30 short films, and we had a special screening of one feature film as well. And how did you decide 
you know, were you the one who received the submissions and chose which movies to screen? I actually had judges who worked with me. I had um, Juanita Anderson, who was over the yes. Department of Communications of Film at Wayne State University. I don't know the proper term, but I know she's over the film department. Um, then I had a gentleman by the name of Charles Sergetsky, who was a Michigan filmmaker. Um, he no longer resides in Michigan, but I'm still connected to him. He agreed to help um, judge the films, and he also helped um, in me choosing the films. I curated everything myself, but I did... Um, talk to, you know, Juanita and Charles and yeah. get their input, but ultimately the decision as to what was screened was my decision, um, but they were the judges, so in terms of who got what award, that was, you know, the collaboration between the judges, um, and there was also a third judge, no, I'm sorry, there were two other judges, we had um, Elizabeth Atkins, who is a Idaho native, um, she's also a writer, a very well-known writer, she, um, I believe she helped with the book for Dennis Archer. I can't remember the name of it, but she was very well known. She's actually been on Oprah and everything. She was one of my judges, and she also taught a meditation course for the film festival, so that was phenomenal. She's awesome at that. And then we had another um, judge, um, Michaela, I cannot think of her name, Michaela Cochran, and she's uh, also a native of Idlewild, and she is, I believe, studying uh, for a PhD at Eastern University, and she um, teaches a film studies course there as well. And she's at Eastern Michigan? Um, yes, Eastern Michigan University. Okay. She's, she's up for her PhD right now. And so uh, what were the prizes? Okay, so we had um, several different awards. We we had um, certificates for some levels. I can't recall what they are right now. It's like a whole list. We had, I think, like 14 different categories. Um, but the ultimate award was the Spirit of Idlewild Award, which went to um, a filmmaker by the name of Atiano Kasagam, I believe that's her name. Forgive me, Atiano, if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Um, but she won the Spirit of Idlewild Award, which was a trophy and also $300 cash. And then we also had another um, young lady, Kerslin Frazier, and she won for, God, what is the, oh, the, the most out-the-box unique film. And hers was A Call to Action Holocaust. And then there were some other films that I can't really recall right now the names, but yeah, we gave out several um, trophies and also several certificates. And are any of the movies that screened at the festival available to see anywhere online or? That I don't know for sure, but most of those films are still working the festival circuit. Okay. Um, as you know, as a filmmaker, you know, they, they kind of want to run its course and then right. go to Amazon or whatever, Netflix from there. But I believe most of them are um, running the, the film festival circuit right now. And is your film available uh, online, or is that still in the film festival circuit as well? It is still in the film festival circuit, although I have to admit I haven't really been doing much in terms of submitting it lately. <laughs> I kind of got burnt out after the film festival, and I just kind of wanted to chill a little bit. I would imagine. Um, the next screening for What's Love from Idaho will be, I believe, at the Bell Isle Conservatory. Um, but I will post that on my Facebook page. It's, it's going to be in February. I'm not really sure. Um, exactly the date, but I believe it's the 8th and the 9th. 
And uh, but I'll have more information a little closer to the date. And do you have uh, to that end? Do you have uh, social media sites that anyone could go to to find out more? Yeah, you can go to our Idlewild Film Fest page on Facebook and Idlewild Film Fest on Instagram. I believe on Facebook is Idlewild International Film Festival, and on Instagram is Idlewild Film Fest. So at Idlewild Film Fest, um, we don't have a Twitter account yet. But um, you can search me, Tanisha Brignoni, on Twitter, and, and I tend to post things on there as well. And so will this this be, uh, I, I'm assuming this will be a yearly festival in August? Yes, yeah, so it is. Um, we are planning to do a yearly festival. Um, this is a grassroots festival, so we will be starting our fundraising very, very soon. Um, we would not have been able to pull this off without the support of the community and just individuals and, you know, people who really believed in the project and saw what I was trying to achieve. And I'm really just thankful for the amount of support that came in, and I'm looking forward to growing the festival and making it even bigger in 2020. Our dates for the next festival is August 21st through the 23rd of 2020. Well, I'm going to definitely try and get up there. Yeah, you got to come this time. You're going to love it. <laughs> so uh, have you been able to uh, work on any other films? I mean, you know, any of your personal films? I have not. However, I am working, well, I shouldn't say I have not. I am working on a documentary called Building If, which is the building of the Idlewild International Film Festival. So during the process, I had documented a lot of um, things that transpired and a lot of the challenges that I came up against, and I want to share that with the world. Um, that probably won't premiere until 2021, uh, but yes, I am working on that, and I'm also working on a part two to With Love from Idlewild just to you know, give people an idea of what's going on in terms of the geodesic dome and Idlewild as a community. And what were, I am assuming that you did have obstacles and challenges to deal with, were there any that you dealt with that were unexpected that maybe you thought going in wouldn't be as much of an issue? Um, the only thing that I, I guess it would be the funding. You know, going in, I thought that I would get more support than what I did get. I really thought that, um, you know, I had this fiscal sponsor. You know, I, I thought that we would get, be able to get grant money from here and grant yeah. money from there. But that was not the case. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, a, I guess that was naive on my part, um, a little bit thinking that, you know, it would be a little easier than it was, and it was definitely from, not from lack of trying, let me tell you. But I have a spreadsheet with over 60 different um, organizations and that we contacted or, you know, tried to get to support us. And I thought, really thought that more black-owned businesses would be excited to help and, you know, just understand the business and understand how important um, in terms of the historical aspect of Idlewild and just want to do something to help revive it. Uh, but that wasn't the case for the first year, so I'm hoping that changes. Sometimes people, you know, want you to show them, and then they jump on board. And, and you know, I understand that. Um, and, and really, we did. We really pulled it off. And so we're hoping that people can see what we were trying to accomplish or what we did accomplish and support us in 2020 because without the community, we can't do what we did. And so uh, if anyone is interested and would like to donate, where can they do that? Um, they can actually.
actually contact me um, through Facebook, or they can go to my fiscal sponsor, which is um, Fractured Atlas, and my company is under under the name of Cinematic Griot. That is the production company. So it's Cinematic Griot, which is G-R-I-O-T, and I do have a page there. I'm actually updating to make it more current um, to reflect the festival specifically, but you can definitely don't donate there. And we'll be starting some, um, we're actually in the works of putting together a Giving Tuesday, which will start in December because um, Giving Tuesday is coming up. And so we'll do a campaign to start our fundraiser for 2020 then too. Well, that sounds wonderful. Uh, I really want to congratulate you, not only for the film that you made, but for putting together a film festival. I mean, that is a major undertaking. And so I, I just think that's wonderful that you really, you know, committed to it and pulled it off. Thank you, Emmy. Yes, it, it was phenomenal. I enjoyed it a lot. What I want to know is, obviously, I know, as I said, I know you had challenges, but were there any things that you thought might be challenging that ended up actually being easier than you thought? Um, let me think. What was easier than I thought? You know, the biggest thing that scared me the most was the goddamn weather. <laughs> <laughs> the weather kept me up many, many nights. Like, oh my God, what if it rains? I did have a rain plan, but it was not going to be the way that I envisioned it. So that was really, you know, I, I can honestly say that I'm very fortunate that we didn't have any big samples for the festival. I didn't have any problems. Um, everything pretty much fell into place. There was one issue with a caterer, which we won't get into, and that was a very small thing. <laughs> but other than that, everything went the way that I planned it and the way that I envisioned it. So for that, I'm, I'm forever grateful, and I just feel very fortunate and blessed to have that experience, especially for a first-year event. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for, for coming on the show today and talking about Idlewild. It's... it's a place that not enough people know about, but is really an important place to know about and to be educated about. And so I feel like anything that not only supports women and supports film, you know, film, but also enlightens people about something that they, you know, may not have known about, it's, you got the triple threat there. Exactly. There is an educational component to the film festival, which is why I actually traveled with the short film with Love from Idlewild um, to different venues right leading up to the festival, and I'll be doing that again. I'll be traveling with the film just to let people know, excuse me, about the history of Idlewild. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we've had a lovely discussion. And I hope that you'll come back uh, after after the next film festival and tell us about it. Yeah, thank you, Emmy, and I definitely will. All right, thank you. You have a good one. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Real Woman. Please join me next week when my guest will be Casey Hurd, former principal dancer at the Dutch National Ballet, currently... Casey is creating a YouTube series entitled Ballet Rising, which focuses on the rise of classical ballet beyond the Western world. You won't want to miss it.